you may have noticed already, I didn't, we didn't receive the offering yet. We're going to do it later in the service because in addition uh, to the regular tithes and offerings, many of you already knew this, I hope you came prepared to give this morning, uh, we're going to help buy a church in Rwanda this week. That's, that's part of what we're going to be receiving an offering for later. Uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Pacific, uh, Pacific Hakizimana is his last name. So if you want to know how to spell that, don't ask me. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's actually spelled exactly like it sounds, so it's not that hard. But uh, at Pacific's church, his church is called Fatherhood Ministries. And uh, many of you remember that Mike Allison and I went there in December. And, and we had a visit with Pacific. We met with some pastors, a group of about 25 pastors. And uh, there ended up being about 175, almost 200 leaders that came with the pastors to this conference. And what Mike and I did is we laid some groundwork and did some teaching for an outreach that's happening this week. So this is very timely that we're talking about it, we're praying, we're doing these things. Uh, There was a team of about 25 or 30 missionaries uh, that came with our friend Peter Neuberger this week. And they're there with Pacific uh, reaching the entire region around Musans. So what happened in the interim though, since Mike and I went there in December, the Rwandan government, and there's, if you could put the first slide up so everybody knows what we're talking about. How many of you could point to Rwanda on a map? Now you can. So uh, that's about where it is. Uh, We've been praying for the last month and a half for East Africa. Uh, We've got friends in Kenya and Tanzania and Rwanda. Uh, I've been to those countries. Pam's been to a couple of them. Uh, If you're interested in learning more information, I'm planning in February to go back to Rwanda and up into Uganda a little bit. So there could be room on that trip. If you're interested in that, come see me later. But that's where Rwanda is. And since we were there in December, the Rwandan government came out and they said, if you want to be a church in Rwanda, you have to own your own building. You have to own your own property. It has to be at least three acres. You have to have so many bathrooms. And you can't be in a business district. And you can't be renting if you want to have a church and operate in our country. How many of you know, even here in America, that would disqualify a bunch of places from having church? Uh, So needless to say, that that eliminated about 75 or 80% of the churches that were meeting in Pacific's area, including his. They, they had a great space, but it, they were renting it, and it was right in the middle of a bunch of businesses. So they, they had these fantastic buildings, they had a big sanctuary, but they could no longer meet there because it didn't meet the government standards for having a church in Rwanda. So they were homeless. And can you imagine being homeless as a church when you've committed to, we are going to host 25 to 30 missionaries, we've rented the stadium, we're going to have a crusade, we're having the pastors of the city meet. So, so Pacific was planning all that in addition to trying to figure out where are we having church meetings? Where are we going to be as a people to meet? Uh, so they found a place that was very exciting to them. They found a place that met all of the requirements, had a building already on it, fit everything the government needed, and the person was willing to sell it to them. And initially, when they looked at it, the person said, hey, it's, it's a $50,000 piece of property. Well, as they began to talk in the favor of God's on Pacific and the things he does, the man said, you know what? I would sell you this property for $20,000. So right there off the top was a miracle. Uh, Pacific said, yes. <laughs> How many of you have ever said yes to something because you felt God was on it, but you had no idea how it was going to work out in the end? You're, you're putting yourself on, you're not really on the hook. God's the one on the hook. If, he, if he's in it and wants to do it, then he's going to come through with it. So Pacific said yes, even though they didn't have the resources to buy that building. Uh, so he went back to his people and uh, their church family raised $5,000 on their own. 
which may not sound like an enormous amount of money to you, but I've been there to their church and seen their people. That's an enormous amount of money. They, they sacrificially gave Pacific Head $5,000 to go to the guy and say, here is my down payment. We will pay the rest. We'll, we'll pay, I think he's, he committed to, we'll pay 10000 more by the end of June and 5000 by the end of July. And so when I, I messaged him back and forth this week, he says, I, I had somebody, a friend of mine, committed to the other 5000 that we need at the end of July. He says, but you're the only ones that have contacted me about the rest of the money. He's like, but I'm praying and believing that God's going to come through. So he's standing in faith, and I thought, it is so awesome to have a chance to partner with a local church that is there on the ground doing things on an ongoing basis, reaching the people with the message of the kingdom of God, and to help them get into their own space. So that's, that's part of what we've been advertising this week, sending you messages on email. If you, if you haven't been getting emails from the church and you would like to, you, you need to send an email to the church office and say, put me on the email list because I need to know what's going on. Um, but anyway, we've been communicating that we were going to receive an offering today and sow it into their building fund for what they need to do. So uh, in addition to doing that offering, I just wanted to share a few thoughts today about missions and uh, missions in general and foreign missions, maybe a couple stories we'll throw in there. Everybody say, I go, you go, we all go. Every single one of us is called to go. I was going to make it into a little song, but I couldn't think about a nice verse. I go, you go, we all go. I, I couldn't do that this morning, even though I guess I just did. But that's it. One time, that was, that was a solo-only performance. It's not going to be repeated. But I go because I am called to go. You go, you're called to go, and we all go. There is something about us corporately as New Life Fellowship. When one of us goes, we all go. And every single one of us is called to go somewhere. And it may be to that place we point to on the map across the globe. It may be across our street. But we are all called to go somewhere. You, you may be called to evangelize Walmart. I, I don't know what your calling is, but we are all called to go somewhere. When we look in the mirror, I should be saying, hey, you're going to go somewhere. I go, you go, we all go. So that's what I wanted to share. Uh, going, our, our call to go places comes from what's commonly called the Great Commission. In Scripture, Jesus was talking to his disciples right before he ascended back to heaven in Matthew 28. And what did he say? He said, therefore, everybody say, go. Everybody say, go. That's what we're called to do. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said nations, but he's really referring to people. It doesn't matter the location of where you're going. He, he wants us to be discipling nations. And pretty amazing, if you have been living in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, the, the nations are here in our nation. Come on, how many of you know that? I, I know if you want to see, if you want to be called to immigrant ministry and getting people situated in, in America and sharing the gospel with them, go talk to Debbie. Right, right there in Crafton Heights, there's more immigrants and people being settled there than you can imagine, than you probably even realize that lived in Pittsburgh. And there's pockets of it all over the city. You don't really have to leave this nation to disciple the nations. But I will say, I, I think everybody ought to go on a short-term mission trip to some other country. There is nothing like it. You come back changed. You think you're going to spread the gospel. You think you're going to sow and do ministry somewhere, but you get changed in the process. I've, I've never come back from anywhere as grateful as I have from going on missions. 
I, I come back, and this is why I think I need to go frequently, because I'm so selfish otherwise. I come back from every mission trip, I'm like, Lord, I'll never complain again. I'll never be uh, talking about the things I don't have and what's going on in my country. But it changes something in us when we go. And I, again, you don't have to go across the world. You may be called to that. I think it would be good for you to go, but we all need to go somewhere. And so Jesus told us to go, and the reason that we go somewhere is for someone. That is really what's, what's on God's heart is people. He cares about the someones that live somewhere. And that's where whenever we go somewhere, we need to be thinking, I didn't go to East Africa because I had a burning desire to see giraffes. That, that was not on my radar. I wasn't like, man, I can't wait to go over there so I can see elephants and go on safari. I went for people. I went because we knew somebody. We had friends there. They, they asked us to come. They welcomed us there. And when you get there and you see the people and you get a glimpse of or you get a hold of the love that God has for people of all sizes, shapes, and colors, it does something to you. And so we all go somewhere for someone. Jesus came because of God's great love for people. And that's the reason that we go. If, if you're going for any other reason, you may need to check your motives. But, but Jesus came because God loves people. And that's the reason that we go, whether it's around the world or across the street. And when we go, we share the gospel. That's, that's part of what we're called to do. If you read through scripture, it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the book of Mark, he, he starts the very first ber- verse in Mark. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. It's called the eternal gospel in the book of Revelation. How many of you know the gospel involves more than just say a prayer to get saved? All right, at least two people over here knew that. How many of you know that the gospel involves more than just, hey, I need to pray a prayer and get saved? Amen. There is a life that Jesus came to give. That was part of his mission is he said, I came so that you can experience something different than what you're experiencing right now. There there are people all over the world that they've been sold short on what the gospel is. They think, man, I've got my ticket punched to heaven. Heaven is going to be awesome, but part of the gospel that Jesus came to release into our lives is something that affects our here and now. When, when we talk about miracles happening, how many of you know that's actually the gospel in action? That, that is when Jesus, it says Jesus went around to all the towns and preached the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he was saying is there is something that affects you right here and now. So when you see healings happen, when you see financial miracles, when you see people get saved, when you see joy and peace come on people, when they have no reason for it in their circumstances, that's the gospel at work. That's what happens and that's what we're called to share when we go places. The gospel I think when we think that, we get intimidated sometimes because we're like, I didn't go to the evangelism explosion class. How can I share the gospel? The gospel is simply talking about the good news about Jesus. You can share the gospel simply by telling somebody, here's what Jesus did for me. I, I used to be like this. I met Jesus, and now I'm like this. I used to experience fear and turmoil in my life. Now I have peace at all times. That's sharing the gospel with somebody. The the gospel story starts with God's love. That should be the foundation of everything that we share with people. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, starts out with, For God so loved the world. And that ought to be the start of our story of sharing with anybody. God so loved. If you want it in a nutshell, you could tell somebody, Hey, here's the gospel. God created you. 
He has a wonderful plan for you. He loves you so much. But we couldn't know that relationship because of sin that was in our lives. And thank God Jesus came to do something about it. What Jesus did on the cross destroyed the power of sin so that you could have a relationship with God again. There, there really is good news that we carry. That people, people in this world living under the bondage of sin and death and destruction need to know that there is life available for them. What Jesus did on the cross enabled him to actually give us his life. I don't, sometimes I think we get it backwards. We think, hey, I, I came to the altar, or I heard a message, and I responded, and I gave Jesus my life. I guess we could say that, but the, really what happened in the transaction is I was dead, and I received his life. That's, that's what happens when we get saved. There was something in my life. I could not produce a relationship with God. I could not experience the fullness of what he had for me because I was dead in my sin. And when I met Jesus, he gave me his life. Just like he breathed on Adam in the garden and man became a living being. God did that. When I got saved, he went, his spirit came in me. I became alive again and I could experience everything that he has for me. So anyway, when we go, we share the gospel. And as we were talking about missions this morning, I was thinking we are called to share the good news with two kinds of people. Everybody say two. You're going you're to get, I was going to say two lists of two, but you're actually going to get three lists of two. We're called to share the gospel with two kinds of people. People who are like us and people who aren't like us. People who are different than us. Come on, how many people do you think that includes in the whole world? That's pretty much everybody. We're called to share the gospel with people who are like us. And sometimes I don't think we have a problem wrapping our mind around that. Man, hey, that's pretty easy. My friends, we have stuff in common. They look like me. They have the same interests. Yeah, I can tell them about Jesus. But we're also called to share the gospel with people who are different from us. And sometimes that's a little more challenging because certain people groups intimidate us. Or they they make us wonder, like, well, how are they going to think? Or... If we get too religious about it, you start looking down at certain people groups, thinking, oh, well, they could never measure up or they're not worth what God wants to do. But we're called to share the gospel with people who are like us and people who are different than us. And I actually, I asked Andrea to record a little video this morning. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and play that video, Calvin, she's, she's actually on a missions trip this morning. So you'll hear a little Hello, bit more about that. family. It's Andrea, and I'm not here today, which is why I'm recording this on video beforehand. Um, actually on a missions trip with Global Awakening right now in Brazil, so that's why I'm not here today. But I'm really excited that we're sharing about our Africa missionaries because this is a place that I've been to a few times and just really feel a special connection with what God is doing there, and I'm really glad that we as a church partner with different missionaries there because that's what it's all about. So, yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit of my story. For those that don't know, I went through a ministry school right out of high school. Um, and at the end of my second year during that program, I spent two months in Tanzania actually working with Peter and Rebecca Newberger. So I went there and um, we did a lot of like preaching and teaching in different churches. Had an incredible experience. Um, and then that was, gosh, 2012, I think it was. And I hadn't been back to Africa 
until uh, October of this past year. So I went to Rwanda with a few of my missional friends in England that were part of the ministry school that I worked with there. And um, yeah, we went for 10 days and we worked with a guy called Pacifique um, who just became like a brother to me and just so fun to worship in a different culture and kind of see what God is doing in that part of the world. So, I mean, I've probably said this before, you know that I have a passion for short-term missions and I feel like it's something that everybody should do at least once. Um, But one of the things that God showed me through... I guess kind of the course of my journey of doing short-term missions, but also doing long-term missions where I am, is that short-term missions accelerate long-term vision. So when you go on a trip, it doesn't change who God is. People think like, okay, why do I have to go to this part of the world to see God do something? I can see Him do it right here. But... There really is something that happens when we step out in faith and we do something that's unusual for us where we have to rely on God's grace a little bit more. And so it just happens like when you do something new. It doesn't matter what it is, but a missions trip where you're specifically going to encounter God's love and to give it away to other people on these trips, He does something in our hearts. And... I feel like there is um, a vision for what you do long-term that is accelerated whenever you do short-term trips as well. So, yeah, I um, when I went to Africa for the first time, I went with a woman who was a classmate of mine. She was in her 60s, and she was like a grandma to me. And we went, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was... 19, ah, I knew what I was doing, kind of. <laughs> just kidding. Um, and we just went into these um, different churches and just shared what we had learned throughout ministry school and got to pray with a bunch of people. But one of the most impactful times for me is when we were in a church and we were teaching on Global's five-step prayer ministry, which includes, like, interviewing the person and finding out what the problem is and all that kind of thing. We we did it in this church and there was a girl that came up to me and I was kind of facilitating um, the pastor's wife who was doing the actual praying for this girl and found out she had like stomach pain. So the pastor's wife prayed for her and the girl said like the pain is gone but I, it has... Like, there's, like, that heavy feeling that comes with it. And I didn't know, because I I didn't go to that church, obviously, but um, I just got, like, I guess it was a word of knowledge where I was like, okay, ask the girl if she's accepted Jesus into her heart. And so the pastor's wife asked her that. It turns out she wasn't a Christian. um, And so she prayed to receive Jesus into her life. And then at that point, we prayed for like that heavy oppressive feeling spirit to leave Um, and she said like the heaviness lifted from her when we prayed that so it was like one of those she got healed she got saved and she got set free it was just a really cool really cool thing so 
Um, I did a lot of, yeah, just a lot of praying like that. Um, so I'm hoping to continue um, doing Africa missions my whole life, whatever that looks like. So, yeah, I. That's about it. <laughs> that's about what I'm thinking. So, uh, short-term missions accelerate long-term vision. God is doing big things around the world, but it's so beautiful to worship and engage with a culture that's not your own. I think that we learn a lot when we spend time with people that are different from us, and it's important to be intentional about doing that. So, whatever that looks like in your life, like putting yourself in uncomfortable positions so that you can see the grace of God operate in your life. So, okay, sending love. See you soon. Ciao. Right. God bless Andrew right where she is right now in Brazil. Let your fire flow through her. Uh, spending time with people that are different than you imparts something to us. It expands our vision. Because when, when the disciples first received the call from Jesus to go, they went to people that were like them. They began to preach to other Jewish people. They hadn't even had a thought about going to people who were different. And Peter actually had to have a vision from God to tell him it was okay to begin to talk to people who were different than you. If you read through the book of Acts, he's, he's on the rooftop, he's in prayer and meditation, and he sees this sheet lifted down from heaven, there's all these unclean animals in it, God tells him, kill and eat, and he's like, no, I've never done anything, I've never associated with anything unclean. And he finally realizes, after three times of seeing the vision, he's like, hey, God's telling me it's okay to talk to people who are different than us. Come on, I don't know if, if you ever had to get to that point where God had to give you a supernatural vision to give us a little kick in the pants to get out of where we were to go do something. But Peter has this amazing vision and realizes the gospel's for everybody. We need to be talking to people who are different than us. And this is where in Acts chapter 15, verse 7, uh, they were talking about this vision he has. And it says, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Mm, he knew. God has called me to preach to people who are different than me, that they would hear the gospel and believe. It says in verse 8, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. Come on, there, there were times Peter had that vision where God told him it's okay to talk to people who are different. There were times even after that in going and talking and preaching to people that God had to confirm this is okay. There, there were a couple stories where God actually filled people with the Holy Spirit before the message was even over. Peter, Peter and the disciples, they're up there preaching. And I, I just picture them, they're still wondering in the back of their mind. Hey, we're sharing this stuff with them, but, but is this okay? You know, what are the other Jewish guys back in Jerusalem going to think that we're in the house of a Gentile, an unclean person? They're, they're probably thinking this while they're preaching the gospel, and all of a sudden these people start speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They're like, oh, okay, God's in this. He's no respecter of persons. He's doing for them exactly what he did for us. Jesus really is the savior of the whole world. They probably remembered at that point, oh yeah, those shepherds way back in the day that said, the angels told us he is the savior of the world. He's for everyone, everywhere. 
God confirmed it and said, hey, especially for people that are different than you, I think. Ah, the culmination of that whole vision and them preaching was that there is no us and them. Come on. Look at your neighbor say, there's no us and them. Look, look at your other neighbor say, you're not a them. Come on, Roger Waters and Pink Floyd were right. There is no us and them. After all, we're only ordinary men. Come on. There is no us and them. God sees no distinction. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. And I think something in us happens. He does something and changes something inside of us when we're willing to put ourselves out there and talk to people who are different than us. I don't care what the difference may be. It may be a black and white thing. It may be a male-female thing. It may be a straight and a gay thing. I don't know what it is for you, but there is something about when we choose to put ourselves out there and say, man, you are so different than me, but I know that Jesus did something for you. And I'm going to tell you what he did for me so that you can get in on it too. That's part of what we're called to do is to go to people that are different than us. We are called, I'll, I'll just say one, one little aside We are called to be kingdom-minded people and get them to focus on Jesus, not to sell them a political ideology. Come on. Jesus is the savior of the universe, not the Democrats or the Republicans. Come on. We can't forget that. Sometimes we get so divisive about, well, I believe in this. You know, thank God for Trump. America great again. And then there's other people on the side saying, he's the most awful guy ever. We're called to be kingdom-minded people and tell people about Jesus because Jesus is the answer, not a political ideology. All right, and no rocks came throwing at me at the pulpit, no tomatoes, so we're good. Oh, Jesus is the Savior. He's for everyone everywhere. So we're called to share with people who are like us and people who are different than us. We're also called to share the good news in two ways. The first way is by going, and the second way is by supporting people who go. Come on, I, I think we're all called to go somewhere. Paul, Paul was in perpetual go mode. If you read through the scriptures, he had such an encounter with Jesus that it was like, we're going everywhere. We're going to hit all these towns. We're going to go all over the known world. He had to actually have the Holy Spirit a couple times say, wait, 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 wait. Don't go that way. Go over this way. But his answer all the time was, we're going. And I think that's part of the mode we need to be in. I am going at all times, no matter where it is or who it is, I'm called. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said it this way. He was so gripped by what Jesus had done for him that he says, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He had had such a revelation of what Jesus did for him that he couldn't do anything else but talk with people about it. And uh, we're also called to support those who go. In Romans 15, uh, Paul writes this. He says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to encourage God's people and minister to them. And I'm pleased to inform you that the believers of Macedonia and Greece have made a generous contribution for the poor among the holy believers in Jerusalem. People in those other churches didn't go with Paul on his trip to Jerusalem, but they sent their resources. And I think the same blessing that Paul got for carrying those resources to go minister to people came on those churches that sent him. And that's part of how we support what God's doing around the world is we give and we get blessed the same as if we had gone. But don't let, don't let giving excuse us from ever thinking about going because we are all called to go somewhere. So we, we support people who go and we go ourselves. And the last thing I wanted to share this morning, when we, sh- when we share the gospel, when we go places, we should expect two things to happen. 
we should expect supernatural things and natural things. Come on, there, something is going to happen when you share the gospel. And the outcome of it may be supernatural. There were times uh, in scripture in Acts, it says that Philip went places and he began to preach the gospel and evil spirits came out with loud shrieks and it got the attention of all the people. How many of you know that's pretty supernatural? If you're sharing the gospel and demons are leaving and screaming along the way, there, there could be supernatural things that happen. Uh, there were a couple times uh, we were we were in Kenya one time sharing. Uh, it was actually something that Andrew talked about. I was teaching some pastors uh, just a, a model of how to pray for people. Just, you know, ask them, hey, how's it, how's it going? Do you have pain in your body right now? And we're just demonstrating it. I had, I had a few people come up along the front, and, and we're just doing it, you know, going down the line as if, you know, I'm telling the pastors, this is how one way that you could do it. And so I asked this lady, what's going on? She says, oh, I have pain in my knees and my back. This older lady, she's sitting in the chair. And so, you know, I showed the pastors, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to command healing to come in her body. And I prayed for this lady and she gets up and she starts doing like the, the deep knee bends, like stuff I, I can't really do anymore. I'm feeling it. Oh, but she starts doing these deep knee bends and like waving her arms up in the air and everybody else in the room starts shouting. And I'm like, oh, this must be significant. Uh, Because we're carrying the message of the gospel, something happened, faith awakened in them. And if you read through the God, if you read through the scripture, actually one of the most common ways that Jesus came to people when they received the gospel message is miracles happen, supernatural things happen. Don't underestimate the power of praying for somebody. You don't have to check and see, do you know Jesus already before I can pray for you? God often healed people and then there was a massive revival. People responded to the gospel. So I I found out later this, this. this lady, the reason they were so excited, this lady that got healed, she kind of cooked and cleaned for the church and for all the meetings. And she'd been so debilitated by back pain and knee pain that they were worried she wasn't going to be able to cook and clean for the meetings anymore. It was like, grandma's really been slowing down. What are we, we're going to have to recruit somebody else to cook. We, we're going to have to move the meeting to Wiggies. <laughs> oh, inside joke. If you want to know about the best wings in Pittsburgh and the best fellowship time church at Wiggies, go see Eric. Um, So when this lady got up and she's doing the knee bends and rejoicing, they all start rejoicing, yes, because she got healed, but also because they're like, there's got to be food and the church is going to be clean. So supernatural things happen when we share the gospel. Man, there there was, uh, we were in Tanzania one time and uh, we just under this tree in the middle of nowhere. I I got the the privilege to go to a, a space in the world that was an unreached people group. Uh, which that that officially classifies as less than 1.25% of the people identify as Christians. So we were in this unreached people group area, and we were, it was like Bible times. Tammy will tell you that. She was, she was on that trip with us, and she was so excited. She came back. She's like, it was just like the Bible. So we're under this tree in the middle of nowhere, and this lady comes up to us, and we start talking. She starts telling us, oh, I've got this back pain. Of course they all have back pains because they carried their babies in these slings, and her baby looked like it was... It probably wasn't that big, but I would have gotten cut tired carrying it. And, and she starts telling us, I've got this back pain. So we're like, oh, can we pray for you? And we prayed, and God healed her back. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we've got this line of mamas with babies on their back. She's telling her friends, come pray. God can heal you. And, and they're coming over and receiving the message of the kingdom, of the gospel, of what Jesus has done. He began, there, was a, there was a healing revival of people's backs under a little tree in the middle of nowhere in Tanzania. It's, it's awesome when we share, God does supernatural things. Can I share one more supernatural story? Those, those ones are fun. You guys, have, you guys have probably heard this one. 
we're in this little mud hut building in, in Tanzania, and this guy was there. He had invited us into their home. And this is an interesting experience. If you've ever gone anywhere where they don't know anything about the gospel, I, I literally asked the question, do you know who Jesus is? And the guy thought for a minute, and he says, does he live in the village over the river? What do you do in that situation? You, you, you really have to think, okay, how do I explain who God is and who Jesus is, that he was God's son and came because he loves you. And so we're trying to talk through this and, and we're making some inroads. This, this guy said he wanted to accept Jesus and he's there with his wife who had the baby slung over her shoulder and sitting over in the corner was grandma was listening and she's, I, I have no idea how old she was because it, it looks completely different. Like I'm not even going to guess, um, but I knew she was grandma because that's what they called her. So she's sitting over in the corner listening and uh, as we're sharing, she's very interested. And uh, we start asking her, hey, what's going on with you? Uh, my friend Peter was there. He says, hey, I, I think, you know, God's telling me that something's the matter with her back. She's having pain. So we ask her, are you having pain? And she's like, yes, yes, I am. I'm, and she starts describing these symptoms. So we're praying a little bit. And, and she's getting a little bit of relief. Maybe you've ever prayed for somebody and they got a little bit of relief. And and. We ought to rejoice about that. We're excited about that. But we also, we, we knew there was more that God wanted to do in the moment. So we start asking her a few more questions. And she says, well, I've got this, this pain in my head. And it feels like my eye is hot and it's on fire all the time. I can't see that well. And so uh, she says, while you were praying for me, the pain in my back lessened. But I have this feeling of like something moving and pain up and down in my chest. And, and my friend Peter says, oh, I've seen this before, and it's, it's when people have been involved in witchcraft, and they've, they've opened the door to the enemy. The, the devil has come in and run havoc in their lives and even uh, possessed and oppressed some of them. So he's like, I know, we need to ask her if she's ever been involved in witchcraft. And she says, yes, I've done some things. And we, you know, they, they had their little things that they prayed and all these spells, and it was, it was just a terrible thing. But when we ask her, would you like to be free from all that? And I said, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer. And, and I tried to explain to her, when, when Jesus comes in, it's like a new house owner moves in. And he, and he starts to clean everything out. And when we pray this prayer, and you're going to renounce being ever involved with witchcraft, I said, that's like going around and shutting and locking all the doors and the windows in your house. And so she says, I'd like to do that. So we, she prayed to accept Jesus, and then she starts praying, God, I, I repent, and, and I renounce any involvement I've ever had in witchcraft. And this sweet little grandma, her face gnarled up like she was going to bite me or just claw my eyes out. And in Swahili, she says, we have failed. Like in that voice. Come on. That's, that's a little different experience that you get in your average going to Walmart to share the gospel. Although you might get that. You know, don't be surprised because when you carry the gospel, supernatural things happen. They, they can't be explained. But, but in Swahili, she says, we have failed in that voice with the face. And my, my friend Peter says, you're darn right you failed. Now come out of her in the name of Jesus. And, and grandma came back. This, this happy, smiley grandma face came and she says, there, it was like this wind or this weight just flew out of my body and lifted off of my shoulders. And I said, that's really good. <laughs> so it, it was kind of like Andrea talked about in the video. Grandma got saved, healed, and delivered all in the same shot right there. So we can't ever underestimate that we are supernatural people. And the gospel can produce supernatural results when we share it. 
So don't, don't ever underestimate and undervalue that. Uh, there are natural things that may happen when you share the gospel. People may just respond. There, there were several times in Africa you're waiting, or, or even here, I guess, you're waiting for this big light to go off or something to happen. The person's just like, yes, I believe. Come on, very natural response that is the fruit of the gospel. Some emotions may happen. Somebody may start to cry. They may get overcome with joy. They may start laughing. Uh, they may get angry like grandma. <laughs> wanting to, I, don't, I don't know what will happen, but emotions could come out. Emotions are very natural. That could happen when the gospel is shared. Uh, one of the fruit of sharing the gospel in Tanzania was soccer happened. There, there, were, there were tribes that came together. They were so excited because Peter said, hey, you've, you've been so receptive to us bringing the message of the gospel and what we do. Can we come back and have a soccer camp? And, and, and give equipment to you guys and do that. That was a very natural result, but it's the kingdom producing something because of the gospel. One thing, I don't, I don't expect it often, but a very natural outcome could be that nothing happens. What do you do when nothing happens? That's a very real outcome that could happen. It's very natural. Uh, we went to a place, it was an orphanage in Kenya, actually, that I would not wish anybody to experience it actually uh it was a very difficult place because this this was not your traditional orphanage they only received uh the the children that were severely disabled that nobody else wanted uh whether they they had cerebral palsy some of them were confined to a wheelchair and uh the the house the floor was not really a floor it was just a bunch of rocks and uh it was quite honestly one of the most depressing places you could ever visit on the face of the earth i think and we went in there, people full of faith, and we prayed for some of those kids. We sat with them. We put our arms around them, and nothing happened. No miracles, no big light from the sky, and it, it really was shaking. Like, what do you do when nothing happens? And, and at that moment, you have to realize you're not on the hook to make something happen. Come on. It's not your reputation that's at stake. It's, it's Jesus and the gospel. And it's okay for those people, it may have been very ministering to them that somebody cared enough to come to that place that was so dark and depressing and just put their arm around those kids that no one else in the world wanted. That's the gospel in action. And a very natural outcome, it may have looked like in the natural nothing happened, but I know seeds were planted. And I know somebody, somebody realized Jesus remembered them and cared enough to send somebody there for them. So we just, we can't let that shake us though, because it's not, I, I expect supernatural things to happen. I expect natural things to happen. And I'm also prepared if nothing happens and God doesn't answer to me. He, he's not obligated for me to stand there and say, well, God, why didn't you perform like I thought you were going to perform? You know, you did that before. Why didn't you do that again? God doesn't have to answer a thing to me. I just have to go. And carry what he's put in me and love people and let them know that Jesus loves them too. Wow. When we give, stuff is going to happen. When we go, stuff is going to happen. And it's going to keep on happening. Today we're, we're going to take an offering and, and worship a little bit as we go on the way out. And I just want you to know that when you give, you're causing the gospel to go forth. And you're causing things to happen. Things that we may never even see. We, we might not realize it's happening. We might not see the fruit to one day in eternity. If then, we'll get to see the story of like, oh, this happened because you gave and enabled somebody else to go. 
And, and that's, I want to stir you with that this morning, that you may not be traveling on a plane this afternoon to go halfway around the world, but you are going to give and you're going to allow somebody to have a footprint and a hold there in the nation where they're going to get to share the gospel and train people up and let them know Jesus loves them. There's a church that's going to not be homeless because we're going to help them a little bit this morning. Uh, so ushers, if you want to come forth and... Uh, we're going to get ready to give. I hope you came prepared. If you, if you came unprepared and you have your checkbook, you can hand it to your neighbor and they'll fill it out for you because your neighbor heard God already for what you're supposed to give. I'm, I'm really kidding this morning. If you have enough faith, you could do that. If, if you're willing to say, hey, neighbor, here's my checkbook. Fill this out for me. You can go ahead. But I filled mine out in advance. Uh, <laughs> oh. Or later. If, if you didn't come prepared to give today, uh, you can give online or you can give later this week if you want to. Um, I'm, there is no pressure. If you came and you're just a visitor this morning and you're not prepared to give at all, there's no pressure on you. But New Life Church family, we came ready to give this morning to help buy a church in Rwanda. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, we